another episode of Sunday Golds here on Apple Pods, Spotify, Arya Masudi, Brett Nevitt, a road trip edition as Brett and I are currently driving in the state of Georgia up to Atlanta for the Braves-Red Sox game, uh, and so we're taking this pod on the road, doing it in the car, and a four-game win streak for FSU, three against Mercer, one against JU, Brett, it just feels like this was coming for this team. It is baseball. These things do happen. It can't always be bad, uh, but the vibes have turned around at least just in time to play number one Wake uh, a weekend these guys really needed. Yeah, obviously nice to win some ball games and just turn the tide a little bit and stop, you know, the bleeding. Obviously, I don't think it was early enough, um, you know, a little bit too late, but it's always nice to leave the yard with a bit, bit of a better feeling. Um, that's Link talked about that a little bit yesterday. Just, just being able to leave the yard and you know have a good feeling about yourself, have a good feeling about the team. Kind of, it can change things and it can roll over day to day. Now you put yourself way too far behind the eight ball, and it's going to be nearly impossible to even get to the ACC tournament still. But there is a chance, and you just keep playing hard and. You don't know, you hope that you find your way there somehow, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's not a lot nicer being on a four-game winning streak than a, what, 10-game losing streak or whatever it is, so yeah, obviously some better vibes right now, um, still overall obviously a disappointing season, but just just nice to put together some, some good clean ball games for a little bit of a stretch right here so far. I think everything we talk about for the rest of the season will always be pertaining to the future of Florida State, right? I think all eyes are already turning towards 2024. I got to give this team a lot of credit, though. They haven't quit. I think they still show up to the park every day, knowing that even this roster is probably going to look a whole lot different next year, continuing to fight, continuing to have good energy. Uh, And I think a lot of the young guys that we've seen have been the catalysts, right? And uh, that's positive, seeing Diamez Ross play at this level. Cam Smith continues to be a work in progress, but you see the talent, and he had some better at-bats against Mercer and JU. Uh, and then your, your two young pitchers, right, your two sophomores with J-Bomb and Connor, giving you what they did against what is a really good Mercer offense. Uh, doesn't matter what league that they're in. Brett, I think those four, right, that nucleus four of young guys – it's good to see them kind of lead the charge, uh, and we'll talk about some of the other bats too. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it, it starts with Jay Baum, and we saw this weekend what, what good starting pitching can do for you, especially in series. I mean, just think through the first two games, Jay Baum and Whitaker have thrown 15 of your 18 innings, and obviously when, when you have a thin bullpen, it makes that a lot easier, but it also helps on Saturday when you're up 9 nothing or whatever it was, but... Um, yeah, I thought J-Bomb just went out there and was able to at least show the, the curveball and the changeup again, and that allowed him to just dominate with the fastball, and he's one of those guys that when he really gets rolling, he gets he gets better as the game go, as the game goes on sometimes, and I think Link talked about how pitch, pitch 95 through 105 was probably, or however many pitches he's, the last 10 pitches were a lot better than the first 10 pitches, and obviously you know, two run first inning, but the ability to 
stick in there and give you seven innings after the, you know, seven full innings after that. Um, can't ask for much more. Um, overall this year, just very, very pleased with J-Bomb despite the, the ERA um, being, I think, I think it's still in the four sevens, I want to say. Um, but the overall progression, the, the, the walks being down as much as they are, um, this start was his first career start with no walks. And this is still only start 14 for J-Bomb of his career. I think, I think want to say 12 with this season. Maybe, maybe, maybe 13 and 15 are the, the right numbers there. But still less than 15 starts for him. So um, I think the FIP is the, the fielding, fielding independent pitching numbers are a lot better than the ERA shows. You know, it takes, it takes into account only things that pitchers can control. And I think J-Bomb has done a good job of controlling the things that he can control this year. Um, and we're starting to see a bit more consistency. That was the first time he put it together back-to-back weeks, so that was good to see. Whitaker, obviously, was the star of the weekend, I thought, personally, at least definitely on the mound. Eight innings, no runs. Um, obviously, doesn't get much better than that. I think if Florida State didn't score, I want to say, what was it, four four run, four or five runs in the, in the eighth inning there on, on Saturday, I think Seawit probably would have gone back out for the ninth wasn't really a reason to, to roll him back out there once you got a nine-ish run lead, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just vintage Seawit when he's right, just three pitches for strikes, mixing it up, change up obviously is always is always the out pitch, and he had it working really well the other day against a lot of those left-handed bats and in, Mercer, in Mercer's lineup, so, and then obviously I think Army as well on Sunday was huge, and everything he's done for you this year has... I wrote wrote in the notebook yesterday. I really don't know how many wins this team would would have without Army this year. I don't know how many games he's directly impacted, but he's impacted a lot of other games as well, just indirectly from the way he's been able to eat up innings in a lot of different roles and allow other guys to be in the roles that they need to be in. Um, Tiamas just looks like himself again. I mean, this is this is the Tiamas I expected, and it's the Tiamas that we got before the injury. I mean, before he got hurt, he was hitting, I think, 430-something in the first, I think, seven games, which obviously is a small sample size, and I don't expect Diamas to hit 440 for the entire year as a freshman, but you do expect Diamas to be on base, make things, making things happen, and score runs, and he's on a 10-game hitting streak now, and in those 10 games, he's hitting, I want to say, uh, 450-something. Uh, don't have numbers in front of us right now obviously because we're in the car but I mean this is he just he's a hitter and he's a natural hitter he sprays the ball over the field we're starting to see some more power come into the game and I think Diamas does a really good job of 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 backspinning the baseball and and you kind of see it carry off his bat a little bit I didn't I did not think that the homer to to the opposite field was going to get down off the bat but it just kept carrying and left the yard and then Cam I think was the other one you, you mentioned I mean, he, obviously, every time he, every time Cam barrels up a ball, it is special, and you just know when he when he gets it, it's it's gonna, there's going to be damage. It's going to probably going to be a double or better, um, and you see that in the the extra base hit percentage, the slugging percentage. I still feel like Cam is, is not in a great place, approach and mental wise at the plate. I just think sometimes it looks like he doesn't really know exactly what he's looking at. Um, I just think he needs that mental reset of an off season to try to get back in it, back in there and, and figure out 
how hitter how pitchers are trying to approach him and how he needs to be able to respond to that. I just we just he hasn't just he just has not made many adjustments this year, which I think if if the adjustments were to come quicker, I think we would see we would see the impact on a very consistent basis like we see when he does get it. Um, but I mean, I'm still, I mean, I've always, like the ceiling with, with Cam obviously is you just dream on it. It's just, I just want to see him have a bit better of an approach and let that play out a little bit more. I think we are seeing flashes of it though, where, you know, against Florida a couple weeks ago, he went to the opposite field a few times against Mercer. He did it, I believe once or twice. Uh, adjusted well against Ju on a ball that he smoked to left field for a double that I think either tied the game or gave Florida State the lead. Um, do you think that Camp needs summer ball this summer, or would you give him the summer off? I don't know. I think. I mean, I don't. I don't know if it will directly impact his progression. I don't know if it will be better for him to take the summer off and just work in the cages, or to go and and keep just. You know, Link says it a lot, just getting reps sometimes is it's just sometimes what you need. You just need to see it a lot, and you kind of adjust with that. But it's just it's, it's sometimes the, the, the early count the early count swings when versus sometimes you see takes on, on fastballs down the middle that it just looks like he's still a little bit confused at, at, what, he's, at what he's looking at, which I, I don't think I had come – it's not something that I had seen as much with Cam and – in the fall and preseason, and I think that early in the season he kind of got a little overwhelmed, and it kind of led to a to an adjustment there. And I don't think he's fully been able to mentally reset yet. And sometimes that just takes an an off season. Um, but I mean, even the the damage that he still does when hitting 250 something, I mean, he's still got an OPS that's I think third on the team for qualified hitters and above 850, I believe, still. Um, so he's, I mean, he's, he's drawn some walks more than most other guys on the team. Overall, this team just, the walk rate is really concerning, in my opinion. And the chase rate, I mean, we don't have those that number, but I'm sure it'd be not pretty. Um, but, yeah, I just think Cam has, there's there's a 300 hitter in there in Cam, especially at the college level. I don't know, maybe I'm just hard on, hard on him because I've seen it. I've seen, you know, I think we've all seen what the top level of Cam is. And you just you want to see that consistently, and I'm I'm not you know going in on him. I don't think, but I just I just know that there's there's a lot more in there, and we like the flashes we see that tells us how much there is. I mean, every time he connects on a ball, it's you're just like holy hell, that ball was just absolutely touched. It was that another ball that just left the bat at 110 plus. Um, see, I don't really think there's issues with Cam's swing. I just I think that he's still trying to figure out exactly how college pitchers are trying to approach him, which that, that is a big adjustment period, especially from the high school level with breaking balls and everything. Well, in high school, there are very few arms that can spin something uh, away from you, right, and, and do it accurately. And, and talking to Link Jarrett, preparing for the broadcasts the last few games, he said they've worked a, a lot in the cages on pitch recognition with Cam. Uh, not just video review, but getting into the cage and practicing spin away and being able to recognize the dot on the ball. And it's hard for some people, especially young, who come out of high school. And uh, that's a level in which you can hammer the fastball if you're talented, right? Because kids just don't have 
uh, plus secondary stuff for the most part, and the ones that do usually end up getting drafted and or are top-line arms uh, in, in the college level. So Cam's a work in progress, and I think you know, you've got a kid there that's as good as anybody uh, at his age in the country, talent-wise. Um, and we'll be interested to see. It's been cool to see him, though, progress. I think there have been moments where you're like, this is this is what it is, right? And this is what it's all about. And then what he does at third base, I haven't personally seen a, a natural, as natural of a third baseman at Florida State in a while. Uh, maybe Sherman Johnson comes to mind as a guy, and that was over 10 years ago at this point. So, um Cam is really, really good. And then uh, J-Bomb, you know, going back to some of the arms, uh, Link was telling me that, you know, with J-Bomb, it's the middle innings. You know, if he can get through those middle innings in the second and third time, second time through the order, really, he usually cruises. And and it's uh, sometimes with him being able to manage the chaos, if something happens behind him and his defense isn't saving the day, being able to kind of get through that and focus on one pitch at a time. And I thought against Mercer on Friday he did that. Gave up the early runs, and then he locked in, and once he got into a groove, the fastball started to play differently. Uh, Mercer was overwhelmed, and then he found that breaking ball too, and it was game over. Uh, Chris Chavez, former Florida State All-American, in the booth, you know, it was like the fifth inning. And he looks over to me in break, and and Chris goes, Mercer's not going to hit him. And I went, you can tell already. He goes, I promise you, they don't have a feel for him at all anymore. It's over. And so that was uh, interesting. And and to see a former pitcher at that level who got drafted by the Braves to kind of make that assessment and that observation. And he was right. J-Bomb was ridiculous for the rest of the day. Uh, See what pretty much what you expect, right? Like that's the best case scenario of, of what Connor gives you. So. Uh, it just made me think about what would it be like if you had it all season long. And you and I talked about it. What happens if Crowell never goes down? Some of these guys progress behind him, right? And, and what does this team look like? But you can't play, you know, ifs and buts and shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? You, you got to go with what's happening currently. But a good sign. Uh, hopefully J-Bomb stays, right, at Florida State. Uh, MLB doesn't come calling and... We've seen this before. A couple got you know a couple of good starts in a row, and you start to shoot up somebody's uh, list uh, in an organization. And uh, he's a redshirt sophomore, or is he? A, he's a draft eligible sophomore. That's the correct term. Um, and so we'll see what he does. But good to see Diamez. I mean, that's man, that's insane. I mean, what he's doing right now is as good of a lead. It's as good of a leadoff hitter as you've had. It's like Taylor Walls at the top. For some of those of you guys who remember uh, T. Walls, but Florida State's playing better. Uh, I came away to this weekend, Brett, thinking, and I knew this coming in, but I really, it, it hit me again on Sunday. James Tibbs is really good at baseball. Uh, he's going to play for a long, long time. Yeah, and I mean, I think obviously we both thought that James was good coming into this year, and numbers last year were good, and um, Obviously, when you watch the swing, it doesn't take long to believe in what's there bat talent-wise. It's just, he's just made improvements in, in, in so many different areas, I think. I think, first, I think, that I think from the first time I saw James in the fall, it was, I, you know, he looked a lot slimmer to me. He looked stronger to me. He just looked like he was in better physical shape, moving better, 
not that he was ever in horrible shape or anything. It's just the, the, the work he had done with his body. It, it, it stood out to me, I and mean, he moves better in the field. He runs the bases better now. I think I think he's fully bought into playing first base and, and, and trying to become a good defensive first baseman. And this week, I thought he handled himself extremely well over there. He had a couple of tough ground balls that he, he made look routine. He had a couple of plays with pitchers that it looked smooth. It looked like it's something that he's worked on. It's around the bag. He made some tough picks, and he made there was one high throw from Nander that he kind of maneuvered his way to the, you know, kind of, I don't even know how to perfectly word it, but happened to leap up and grab it and also get in the backside of the bag trying to avoid the runner, and, and he makes that play. It's just, and he's, he's just gotten good over there, and, and he's someone that I think you can rely on at first now and build off of. I would I would progress him there as my first baseman and, and, and just let him do it and let him get really good at it. I think he's he's got enough bat talent to be a potential first-round pick as a, as a first baseman. If the defense continues to trend and the power continues to, to come the way we thought it would. Um, but it's, I mean, the K rate has dropped. The walk rate is up a ton. Um, I mean, the OPS is above 1,100. I think it's top 10 in the ACC. He leads FSU in average, slug, on base. Uh, he leads FSU in runs, RBIs, homers, obviously. Um, he's getting up there in doubles now. He just He's, he's just done everything well. And um, when you start to see guys progress in the way that you felt that they could, it's just, it's, it's just good to see. And I think James has even outdone anything I could have expected from him this year. I think he's just been that good. I mean, an 1,100-plus OPS, it's, that's what you dream of when you think of what Tibbs' potential output could be. And, you know, I still think there's a little more consistent power in there with James, especially at Hauser. I mean, the ball he hit out to right field, to left field, I mean, off the scoreboard, he just just throws his hands at it, and it's just he just flicks it that way, and it goes halfway up the scoreboard. That's how easy it is for him at times. And I just, he's a really, really, really good baseball player, and he, he continues to get better. And I've been really impressed with, with the maturation this year of his entire game and how he's been handling the ups and downs of a season. I think I think he's done a really good job this year. You know, you look at some of the contracts, and we've talked about what Tibbs best projects at long-term, right, in his future. You look at some of the contracts that first basemen, that are lefties especially, are making in the big leagues right now. And, you know, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, even what Rizzo got for, for a short-term deal at his age. Uh, the list goes on and on. I could name every first baseman if you want. But that is something that I think could really be big for his future, is if he settles in it at that first base position. And maybe he goes and plays summer ball this offseason and can do that every day, right? Does Team USA come calling for him as a sophomore um, for the collegiate national team this summer? We'll see. Uh, but in a year that has otherwise been forgettable for FSU, I've been impressed with James, right, and the consistent approach that he's giving you. They've asked him to play uh, to, to hit top of the order. He's done it well. They've asked him to play outfield and first base. He's done it without complaining. Uh, he's hit middle of the order. He's hit good pitching. Uh, and I do think there are some leadership qualities that are emerging from James because I do think uh, if he's around next year for FSU, that that's a guy that you can lean on 
to kind of try and right the ship culturally and getting FSU back to where it wants to be under Link. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I think in the last couple of years, James, to me, is the the hitter over anyone else that you just kind of think, well, I mean, maybe except for Cam now, but the guy that you just feel most confident in being a, a big league guy, like just the everything that he does at the plate, I mean, the approach, the the, the swing itself, the, the, the power in the swing, the, I mean, it's just, you just, you feel really good about what he's going to be at the next level and how he's going to, I mean, he, I feel like he's handled hitting lefties well this year. It's just, it's a really nice progression to see. I mean, it's it's been fun to watch, man. I think this is exactly what we thought he could be last year, you know, when we first got here. Um, and last year, I mean, he also played through that shoulder injury for, I think, the whole second half of the year last year, and he played fine through that, and I guess, you know, maybe we should have been expecting as good as he's hit. I just, I don't know if I ever expected James to hit for this much this much average while also still powering the ball to all fields. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been fun to watch. It's, it's fun to watch guys get better. I don't think we've seen a bunch of that over the last few years, and James has gone from good to really good to having a truly great season. I think he should be a guy that gets looks at first team all ACC. I think, like you said, he should be a guy that gets looks for Team USA in the summer. The only issue there for James might be that you got really two two other really good first basemen that could play for Team USA this summer, and Nick Kurtz and from Wake Forest and Jack Caglino, and obviously at Florida. Um, so that might be the only issue there, but. Yeah, there's probably not many better college hitters in the country that could that could go play for Team USA this summer. So I don't know for sure if he'll do that. I don't know for sure what his plans are this summer, but um, I think he's he's probably earned that right at this point to play for that, that team. Yeah, and he's another guy, again, you're going to look to, I think, next year to, to lead this club. And he reminds me a lot of the progression that James Ramsey had. And I know their family, you know, like the family knows Ramsey, um, and has that connection there, both guys being from that Marietta, Alpharetta area in Atlanta. But James was like that, you know. Rammer was pretty good as a freshman, really good as a sophomore, and then his junior year was ridiculous. Uh, and I think Tibbs is on that projection, also both being lefties with Pop. Um, that, that to me, is, is a pretty good comparison at the college level, at least, from what I've seen. Uh, I want your thoughts, just kind of rounding out the order not necessarily. I just want to shout out Colton uh, for, for the weekend that he had. He has played really well, I think, here in his final season of college baseball and uh, batting average hovering now about 300, and he's doing it switch hitting, which is really impressive. So shout out to him. Um, but the thoughts I wanted were Trayton Rank, Titan Kamaka, who both had pretty good weekends at the plate against Mercer and then again uh, Tuesday against JU. Yeah. First, with Colton, I mean, if – if you had shown me his numbers up to this point in the season, before the season, I probably would have told you that this team was having a, a pretty dang good season. I mean, I, I think he's he's given you everything that you could ask for, especially, especially with the amount of catching he's been doing. Um, and the numbers are numbers are pretty different between ACC only for Colton versus non-conference, but even an ACC play, he's still getting on base. I think he has the second highest on base percentage on the entire team. Um, 
and he's driven in runs. He's come through in, in some big moments for you. And um, yeah, I mean, tip of the cap to Colton. Tip of the cap to Colton for what he's doing this year. Um, one of the more positive signs on this team, I think. Um, but yeah, Trayton obviously had a big week. I think he rose his average by over 30 points. Um, I think he was six. I think he had six hits on the weekend. I want to say maybe eight. Eight hits on the weekend. Uh, over three games. Uh, I think Trayton just recently has kind of just seemed to refuse to strike out. Um, there was a time there when he was striking out a little bit more than I would expect um, with him. And recently he just hasn't struck out, and it's allowed him to, to put the ball in play and, and just try to make things happen. Trayton's a guy that always busted out of the box at 110%, and, and you see him, he digs out a lot of infield singles, and he, he drove a couple balls to, to the warning track as well. I think I think one of them got caught. I think a ball deep in left center that he hit pretty good got caught. Um, obviously had the, the double yesterday on Tuesday down the left field line in a, in a big moment, I think, with two outs. Um, and it's been weird, man. Like, recently this team seems to put together two-out rallies but can't score when they put themselves in good situations. And it's like nobody's on with two outs, and then all of a sudden there's a two-out rally. But the ending is that there's a runner on third with less than one out. We can't score less than two ounces we can't score I don't know it's just been just been a weird kind of I mean it's been a weird whole season at this point but yeah with Titan I think Titan it, like Link said there's just some surprise juice in there that you know it's a pretty I mean he swings with aggression and you you see it come come out in the way the ball you know just jumps off the bat at times and uh, I think he's got five homers now this year and probably less than I would think maybe right around just over 100 plate appearances at, at this point this season. Um, I think he's been pretty solid at second base. Um, so, yeah, I think Titan's another guy that you, that you hope that you can you can build off of and, 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 and bring back next year and, and see what he gives you um, at second base. Um, yeah, I think you told me Titan once again had five homers coming into the year. I'd feel pretty good about where we were at, but I guess that's just how it goes sometimes. And um, obviously, the depth of the arms, um, yeah, it's just, I think Andrew Armstrong's got 29 appearances now this year in 45 games, and oh man, that's just, we've watched Andrew Armstrong run out of there basically every single day recently, I feel like, um, so yeah, just a kind of a, been quite the season, hasn't it? It has, and uh, for those of you familiar with I-75, as you get closer to Atlanta, we have had... The, the joy that is the traffic of ATL, it is nearly standstill. Uh, Brett, welcome to Atlanta, by the way. Beautiful. Sox and Braves later tonight. I'm going to get your preview of that in, in a couple of minutes. Perfect. But, uh, let's talk about Doug Kirkland. Uh, it has been really fun to watch him turn it on. And I know he was you know relatively young in terms of pitching years and pitching experience. Mid-90s fastball with a big league slider that he's starting to have a feel for and really finding it, can throw it in any count. Uh, it, Florida, like you said, a little bit too little, too late, but the Knolls have found somebody in the back end that has shut things down over the last two weeks. Yeah, it's been good to see. Um, I've always been high on Doug on, on what he can do just because of the, of the pure electricity of it, and I think my bigger thing with Doug for a long time has been the, the mentality I think that he can have on the mound, and I, I talked about... I think a couple, maybe a last pod, just 
I saw this mentality with Doug a couple summers ago, summer of 2020, closing games out for, uh, I think it was the Sand Rats or something in, in the Florida Collegiate League. Um, he's just, he's one of the guys that picks up the ball and he's just, he's not scared of anyone, I don't think. And it's kind of an FU mentality. I mean, we saw it against JU, uh, really got and <laughs> really got in the hitter's face, I thought, at the end of the game there and had some words for him. And there was almost, a little bit of a skirmish, but kind of coaches and umps kind of got in the way of that and put a put a stop to it. Um, but yeah, I mean the stuff is just. I mean the slider is elite. It's it's a plus slider. It's hard. It's I think 87, 88 with 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 elite spin. The fastball he hasn't had amazing command of the fastball recently, and as that comes along, it's just he's going to get even better. I think. Um, we saw the changeup a little bit, I think, on Friday against Mercer. I think he threw a changeup to strike out to strike out a, a left-handed hitter to end the game, and I mean it was it was pretty good. It had some splitter action to it at about 89 miles per hour. Um, when you pair those three pitches together, when he's right and in the zone, I mean, Doug all year has not been hit. It's I mean it's a 165 average against, I believe, with with a strikeout rate in the at least at above 10 I think um it's just been the walks and obviously the walks are an issue um and there's something you can't have as 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 a late game reliever but they haven't been there for him recently um and especially not at the volume that they were before that um so I mean if I was a if I was an MLB scout I'd be asking my team to take a flyer on Doug Kirkland it's just there's there's a lot a lot to like in there, and it's starting to show now that he's in that in that back end role. I think he's got five straight games, five straight appearances now that he hasn't allowed a run, and I think, or no, five straight appearances he's allowed a run or less after allowing the homer to Armstrong yesterday. Uh, but I think he's thrown, I think I want to say nine innings in those five appearances. Um, so it's been been really really good to see him have this late season progression. Um, obviously, you wish you had this the entire year, but like you said, um, Doug is still very young on the mound. Um, you know, I think he's a redshirt junior, I want to say, but I mean, Doug threw five innings in high school. He threw two innings as a freshman while he was also backing up Matt Nelson behind the plate. Um, and he hadn't really become a full-time pitcher until that the injury occurred. And then he lost back to back full seasons. So, um, this is still a work in progress for Doug. Link has mentioned that multiple times, um, but the, the progress seems to be moving in the right direction now. We are no longer moving, by the way. Stand still. We should ask that Toyota Camry his thoughts on Doug Kirkland. Oh, I'm sure they would know. I, uh, actually, that guy, that, I wouldn't mess with him. Uh, he doesn't look like he wants to play ball here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, also, what is a sand rat? I don't know. Are you thinking of the river rats? River rats. Sanford's right. river rats. Sanford river rats. Yeah. Is that like Orlando area? Yes. No, I want to say. Huh. All right. Well, I think pretty good pod. Let's. We're, we're passing Turner right now on our way to Truist. And uh, I say passing. We're really not moving, so passing hasn't occurred. But uh, big weekend coming up. I do think we should preview Wake for a minute. Uh, thoughts on the number one ranked Demon Deacons, who are ranked number one for the first time in program history, and they are Rake Forest, and finally now can pitch. 
it should be uh, a heck of a challenge for Florida State. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Wake Forest is is rightfully number one in the country coming into this weekend. Um, you know, I think this is the first week that LSU hasn't been number one, but I do think that Wake Forest is a, is a better team, or, or at least better built for the postseason. Um, they just have so much depth on the mound. Um, they have the high-end guys you would expect for a number one team, and they have guys behind that too that some people wouldn't know that are, are almost just as good as, as those frontline arms that they have. Um, and the bats, the bats are elite as well, especially at the top of the order, obviously. Nick Kurtz, I mentioned a few minutes ago. Brock can play. Brock Wilkin, who's been there um, for a long time and is their career home run record holder now. Um, Ciceri, um is one of their veterans. Uh, Tommy Hawk at the top of the order. I believe he's still leading off for them. Yeah, the, John, um, the Johnson kid's pretty good too. Yeah, right? They got a transfer. And, I mean, obviously the arms louder, I'm sure, will go on Friday um, and back, probably be back-to-back ACC Pitcher of the Year. I think he's won ACC Pitcher of the Week a few times. Just reminds me a lot of, of Parker where it's not super flashy. It's nothing that's jumps off the page except for, I mean, the changeup is, is elite, I think. I think it's really good. Yeah. And I the think, slider, he's got a good feel for it now. Which is kind of similar to Parker where it was that elite changeup and kind of just – had everything for a strike and is a is an ultimate competitor and he wears that hair real long yeah. and curly and he looks chaotic right. and yeah and I, he I, looks like a psychopath but seems like a nice enough kid yeah and works efficiently almost every weekend it feels like he's going seven plus innings so um obviously against this florida state lineup and the ability to not make pitchers work uh, is a little worrisome with louder coming in and then Sean Sullivan, one of their other starters, um, kind of a funky left-hander that creates a lot of deception um, and kind of sometimes looks like he's throwing a rising fastball. He's really, really tough. It's 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 really tough to get to. I think his ERA is still below a two, I believe, the last time I checked. Uh, Keener, another one of their arms from the right side, it, is, it has some elite stuff. Um, so just... I mean, up and down, they're the number one team in the country for a reason, and uh, they haven't had a bad weekend all season. I know that's your thing going into this weekend, um, your thing of hope, but it's just it's going to be tough, man. You teeing me up to tell you my prediction? Yeah, they're just they're really, 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 really good. And I do think, I mean, if I had to pick someone at this point of the season, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks, I, I do think that they're one of the teams that has a real, real shot at winning the national title. And I think, I don't think anyone in the country has a pitching staff like them. I mean, they're they're number one in ERA in the country by almost a full run, and that's while playing at their park, and while also not having Teddy McGraw, right, who's lost for the season and is a first round talent. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's been special. Uh, and sorry, you can hear it. that's fine. Thank you, Siri. Thank you, Siri. We're still not moving. Can you fix that? Uh, yeah, Wake's going to be tough. Uh, Aaron Fitt of D1 Baseball said they're the best team in the country, bar none, and said that they have more depth on the mound than LSU does. And the lineup is, even if it's not as good or as talented, it's still plenty good enough, When you, especially when you talk about Wilkin and Kurtz in there. And they have a true leadoff guy in Tommy Hawk who, who can really play. And it's deep. 
they play with uh, a little bit of confidence and swagger and uh, moxie and, and savvy and all those things. They field well. They're going to be tough, but I think Florida State's winning two games. And I know, what a pivot, right? Boom. Uh, boom. Knolls are back. The Knolls. <laughs> they let the Knolls get hot. I did not cancel the Airbnb to Omaha, by the way. I, I know I said on Twitter that I did. Aria is a sick, sick man. He's <laughs> a sick, sick man. Um, I do think Wake's due for a bad weekend. They haven't well, lost a series all year. And I've seen this with not just Florida State in the past, but all college baseball teams. There's always a weekend in which I don't know if it's because you just kind of, you know, there's so many games to play that you're going to have a lull. There's going to be a weekend where it doesn't go your way. The bounces don't go your way. And the bounces haven't gone Florida State's way this season. The game of baseball has to even out a little bit at some point, and it won't even out enough to get FSU into the postseason this year. But I do think this weekend, at home, at Hauser, I hope fans, those of you listening, come out to the park. I did not love the attendance against Mercer. that, And I, I understand you have things to do, but th- that was not a great crowd for three games. Uh, the number one team in the country is at Hauser. I really would hope that you show up and at least remind them why their program is number one overall, but they're not a better program than Florida State University traditionally. And I would hope it's part of that is the passion of the fan base, and they show up and show out this weekend led by the animals. But I just have a feeling, man, the stats don't back me. I'm pretty sure I'll change my mind in the third inning on Friday. But as of right now, on Wednesday, as we drive to Truist Park to watch the Braves and the Sox, I think Florida State's winning too. Don't ask me how it's going to happen. I just think FSU kind of, I think they turned the corner at least on the vibe that was kind of plaguing them within the clubhouse. Yeah, I would agree with that. And let's see what happens. But uh, I'm calling Friday's game for those of you uh, who enjoy uh, listening to my play-by-play. Um, and I'm excited. We'll have Chris Chavez in the booth. Alexander DiCaprio will be on the sidelines. And then uh, over the weekend, I will be calling uh, Clemson and Virginia Tech uh, on ACC Network on the national side of things with former Seminole All-American Devin Travis. And so we've been excited to work together and have known each other now for, for a little while. And uh, Clemson and VT will be fun. So if you guys are looking for something to watch on Saturday at 7 after the FSU uh, series win over Wake, uh, tune on ACC Network. We're, we're back on their Sunday as well. And then uh, Sean Davison, Chris Chavez, Emily Peters will have it uh, from Hauser. Uh, that weekend as well um, as, as we kind of navigate the final weekend in tally uh, for baseball. So, oh my gosh, final weekend. It is, and thankfully, I think, actually, kind of. Uh, really looking forward. I think you and I both are looking forward to seeing how this thing shapes out in the offseason um, yeah. and, and what Florida State does to fix this. Yeah. I think Link is very passionate uh, about getting this thing right and doing it quickly um, from the conversations that I've had. So Yeah, I mean I- – I do think there was a bit of a missed opportunity this past weekend against Mercer and not allowing some other guys to get at-bats. Um, I mean, the games this past weekend really had no technical meaning to them. Um, for Florida State, just teams not getting into the tournament at large, I can guarantee you that. The only path to the tournament for this team is is winning – they is, is winning out basically and have getting some help from a few other ACC teams. I'll go into that a little bit too, just how it, what it would take to get there. Um, but I just, 
I just thought this weekend would be a good opportunity for Florida State to get some other guys on the field, to get them some at-bats. Um, it just kind of feels to me like, I don't know, I guess they're just forcing some some of those kids out. But, I mean, just get a Lance Triple, some at-bats, get a Jordan Taylor, some at-bats, at least see what you got there, or, or give them some opportunities to show you what they have, or give them some opportunities to, to get used to seeing what they're looking at. And... I mean, this is, an, this is something that has kind of bothered me for ever since I've started covering college baseball. I don't think it's just a Florida State thing. I think it's a, I think it's a very much so a college baseball thing where your start, your starters are going to play every single game they can play for you, and you know, there's not really, there's not really many other ways. There's not many other ways created for young guys to get in to get opportunities in games like this that it just. It, it doesn't have meaning. There's no reason not to run some of these guys out, and especially when you're up by 10 runs in a, on a Sunday when you've already won the series. I would hope that next time in that situation that we get some guys off the field and get some other guys some opportunities there. That just, I just, I thought that was a little bit of a missed opportunity to get some guys some 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 much needed progression or at least just chances to be out there and to see it. It's oh. just. If you don't get that opportunity, I mean, it's just, we had guys like that in recent years that, I mean, A.J. Shaver, he was here the last two years, didn't get many opportunities. Do I think A.J. would have made a huge difference? I don't know, but we didn't get the opportunity to see it. A.J. goes on to be the Juco player of the year in Florida this year, where that's a different level of baseball, but the things that A.J. Shaver does when he's right is impactful. Um... Caleb Cali, who was here two years ago, is hitting is hitting 318, I believe, for Arkansas this year while hitting in the middle of the orders for some games. Um, Richie Morales, who was a middle infielder for us two years ago, is in JUCO this year playing well and committed to Arizona. There's 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 these type of kids that didn't ever get opportunities that, when they are progressed, can be good players and can help your program. And like I said, it's a it's a college sports really issue where I think development of young players has kind of stalled because of trying to go get you know guys in the portal and such and, and, and really focusing on the guys that are helping helping you at that exact moment um, I just wanted to make that point it's just at some point this program needs to kind of build a baseline of of young players that are developed year to year and I don't know. I just I've always thought that that's the way that you that you build, you know, kind of a baseline for the program to build off of in, in future years. I just unfortunately don't think that that's realistic anymore uh, in this day and age of college athletics. I just think football setting the tone uh, with the portal and NIL, and I think all the other sports are going to follow where kids actually. And here's where my thing is: I don't think kids want to be developed anymore either. Like I don't think a kid's going to sit there and go, "Hey." I need to take that freshman year and kind of learn and get a B's here and there and, and kind of grow. And it's just, it's, it's a, if I'm not happy immediately, I'm out of here. Uh, well, that's culture. Part of it, yeah. No, and I just, yeah. and I think, but I think the coaches are going to adopt that as well, where it's, we're going to keep looking in the portal to fix things because we need to win now. We're in a pressure cooker. Um, and to make the point right now to defend link on this, he doesn't have time to develop anyone anymore. You're, you're, you're under the microscope after one year because you're 21 and or 20 and 28. You don't have time to. 
uh, develop someone because developing someone also but means that you... you're going to lose you're going to lose games developing people. But that's the that's that's the the trade off that you take, and you can do that at a Ju, you can do that at a Stetson, because you're not under a microscope to win. And so I just think the culture the culture of the the sport as a whole is not going to allow you to really have that philosophy at, at a Power Five school. Or, I just think that. Not to cut. I'm sorry. No, no I, 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 it's just I, yeah. On Sunday, like you have a fifth year catcher who's caught 99 percent of your innings this year, catching when you're up, I think 12 to three in the eighth inning. Like, I think you can get him off his feet when this isn't a guy who's going to be here next year because he literally doesn't have eligibility left. Nander to said is playing shortstop. He doesn't have eligibility left. He's not going to be here after this year. Is that not spots that you would like to get guys in and just give them reps to try to advance them in a game that literally does not have meaning to you? What if those? What if the kids that you would put there are are also not going to be here next year? That's something to think about. But but if you haven't given them opportunities, then then see that's what I, that's that's my thing is I just it's become too commonplace to just get rid of kids without giving them opportunities to to develop and to see what they can give you. I'm telling you, that's the landscape of college athletics, whether we like it now or not. And it's being dictated by the portal, um, by NIL uh, in some places, more so in football, basketball than in baseball, although we're still we're seeing it in, in baseball and softball. Uh, and quite frankly, I think the NCAA is not going to do much about it because they're trying to they're trying to tread water, man, to, to continue existing because they're under pressure of potentially not existing. Um, if if they don't play ball with some of these schools and these athletes who, you know, and that's again we could have this conversation on a separate pod. And right? if, but if college baseball moves completely to portal and money, is it not going to be seven SEC teams in Omaha every year? Does anybody want that? Hey man, you're saying the same things that people are saying about football. It is it's a it's a, it's a it is an interesting conversation that I think is worthwhile having, Brett. Um, and maybe we'll have Michael Alford on over the summer. Florida State's athletic director to kind of pick his brain on, you know, where where this thing is going from someone who's at the top of the food chain on it. And so, uh, it's a, you bring up a good point though. That uh, we're forty six minutes in, we could probably go another forty six minutes on just what we. I just at some point into. I would just like to see players develop at yeah. Florida State. Like no, I hear you. You just it, I hear you. We just have not seen young players. I mean, obviously we talked about tips. Like that's a good progress, de- progressive development, but. Overall, the amount of right. players that we've just seen stall out in the last five years is like ninety-five percent. Yeah, uh, philosophically, I think your heart's in the right in the right space with it. I think you're right. My heart's always in the right place. There you go. Uh, would like to know finally before we say goodbye, uh, what is your heart feeling on the Red Sox chances against the Braves tonight? Sox ten, Braves zero. Okay, now realistically, not not me picking. Okay, not the same vibe of me with pe- me Sox. picking Braves beating the, sorry the Bra- the Knolls uh, beating gosh. the Deacons. I don't know Bayo on the mound tonight. I don't know. Not, I don't know how I'm feeling about. It. I think Bayo is going to be good long term. Do I think he'll have success against the Braves lineup tonight? I don't know, but I do think the Red Sox lineup can have success against a bullpen night for the Braves. So. I think we'll see runs tonight, and I think the Sox will. Uh, All right, Sox are going to do it tonight. That is why they call it fandom. I was just going to one more thing before we finish. Just the how FSU would get into the ACC tournament for those yeah. who are still concerned about that. Um, 
basically Florida State can get in. There's six teams that FSU can make it in over. Um, the whole, I have a whole breakdown of it on, on Knowles 247, but FSU will be done officially with ACC tournament if they get swept this weekend. If they were to win one of three games, then to stay alive in ACC, both, both I believe, Pitt and Louisville would have to each get swept this weekend because Florida State does need to pass two teams at this point to get into the ACC tournament. Um, if they win the series, um, they'll they'll need a few other things. Um, they'll basically Pitt and Louisville are the two teams that are closest to Florida State. I think Georgia Tech is in that mix. NC State's in that mix. Um, full breakdown of that is on Knowles two four seven on the notebook I wrote um, the other day. If you want to see that, um, so yeah. But if if they get swept this weekend, they would be officially done. Um, so. Yeah, you really, really, your only chance of making it is is is, is winning out these these last six ACC games. But there are technical ways to get in by going five and one or four and two, three and three will be no shot. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you really got to go six and zero to give yourself a, a, a true true chance of not having like five other things to happen for you. So. Um, Obviously tough with number one Wake Forest coming to town, but uh, Arya's feeling a series win. So hopefully Arya's feeling comes true. In the words of Jim Carrey, so you're saying there's a chance. Yes, there's, there is a chance that we go to Durham this year. All right. Well, good pod. I appreciate you guys listening, tuning in, uh, and, and appreciate those of you reaching out to us uh, and, and asking for this episode. Uh, we wanted to do that. Four-game win streak for FSU. Let's see if they can keep it going. Uh, Friday, 6 o'clock, J-Bomb, Rhett Louder. That'll be a lot of fun on the hill. Make it out to Hauser. Saturday, 3 o'clock. Sunday, 1 o'clock. And Brett and I will hopefully be back next week to talk about Florida State Series win over Wake Forest. Fingers crossed. And uh, then the Knowles wrap up with Kennesaw State and Louisville. So, Until we talk to you again, we are slowly moving forward here in downtown Atlanta. He's Brett Nevitt. I'm Aria Masudi, and this has been Sunday Golds.